What you are about to hear is real. No script and no storyboard. These are unedited conversations. This is their opportunity to share their life, their struggles, and their story. We are not liable for any information presented in this interview. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the We Are Better Men podcast. Views and opinions expressed on the Better Men podcast are those of the host. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm the host of the Better Man podcast, and I'm chatting today with Wesley Maynard. Um, reached out to us via an email we sent out, uh, looking to, to chat with guys who have been through some shit. And uh, looking at what you sent me, man, you've definitely been through some stuff. Um, could you... Uh, through a high level summary, kind of like you did uh, in, in the email of of what we do for a living, and then a little bit of the backstory to your uh, to your divorce and your and the substance use things. Yeah, man. Um, so I well, I guess to preface it, I started using really early in life, um, probably about thirteen. Really moved on to like the heavy shit about seventeen, and you know I. Uh, Moved to Dallas, I think, about 2009 to go to culinary school, which, uh, you know, I attended Le Cordon Bleu. Um, already having my drug problem, already having, you know, all, all of these things going. Moved with my ex-wife, who we had not been married at the time. And uh, took all that with me. You know, I started school, uh, really started getting involved in the industry, in which the restaurant industry um, is really bad about, you know, pretty much every restaurant has a drug dealer. Pretty much every, you know, you, there's a lot of drinking, there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of, you know, girls, everything that it's really available there. You know, everyone there pretty much uses, depending on what facet of the industry you're in. So going into that, uh, basically, I thought I was doing doing the right thing by just working my ass off, working 16 hours a day, you know, seven days a week left my whole family stuff to the side. You know, when I wasn't at work, I was getting high. And I uh, had my first son starting about 26, I guess. When I was can I, 26. Can I yeah. interrupt you just ask, can I ask you what you were, uh, what you were using? If you don't, and if I ask any questions and you don't want to speak to it, you can just let me know as we roll through it. No, that's fine, man. Uh, yeah. My DOC was meth. Um, yeah. really, uh, it, when I started, I, I kind of did everything, you know what I mean? Like I, I tried to do pills, math, you know, I tried heroin, didn't care for it, acid, mushrooms, you know, uh, smoked pot, which, you know, whatever, but, uh, and I drank pretty heavily, but meth was the thing that stuck. It was the thing that really, you know, I really never got away from that carried on with me, even when I kind of quit doing everything else, you know, well, and drinking, of course, you know, which actually in the long run, that turned out to be harder to quit than anything. You know, even years after I got clean, uh, it, like I'm right now, I'm only eight months and four days sober, you know, so that's and this is my second uh, time at sobriety, you know, so that's actually been the real pain. <laughs> eight months, yeah, man, eight months sober from 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 drugs or, or from the booze? Al alcohol. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I quit drink or I quit doing drugs in uh, January of uh, 2014. Oh, you've, you've been uh that's been a good amount of time then yeah yeah that's a that's an accomplishment um okay so let's talk about your, your situation with your with your kids without getting in into too much detail and things like that but you had you kind of lost access there um for a little bit 
And now can you, can you kind of talk about that? And then also where you're at, um, where you're at now? Cause you seem to be in a, in a, in a much better spot. Yeah, man. Um, so 2013 was the worst year of my life. Hands down. Everything that I had ever been afraid of happening to me happened. You know, um, my grandfather who raised me died. My father who didn't raise me, who I had just really gotten to know died, which I actually found his body, which was pretty, uh, pretty awful. Um, you know, I went through my divorce and coming from a divorced family myself, I never wanted to go through that. I never wanted to put my kids through that. You know, I was willing to do pretty much anything to uh, prevent that except for get my shit together. You know, like, like I had this idea, well, I'll do anything, but you know, I, I wasn't, I was full of shit. Like I, I was still using, I was still running around doing whatever. And so all that happened. And then through the uh, process of the divorce, yeah. You know, I mean, she made her mistakes. She has her stuff that that came up in court and whatever. That's not. I'm not going to speak on that. You know, but I failed my drug tests. Basically, you know, I went in there and said, you know, I want custody. I fought for custody. I hired a lawyer. I said, you know, I I I take care of these kids. I want these kids. And I went in there like a jackass and failed my drug tests, and it just rolled right over on me. You know, it, uh, I wound up actually losing them for six months. Uh, while well, I, I had to visit them one day a month for one hour a day in front of a social worker, I had to drive downtown and, uh, sit there at the courthouse with them, you know, and, which was really hard because we were, you know, they're real daddy's boys and we were, so we spent all of our time together. You know, if someone had to call into work, it was always me. If someone had to be late to work, it was always me. You know, if they were sick, I was always the one to go get them. Like, you know, it was pretty devastating. Well, yeah, yeah, man, I bet that would be tough for sure. You're so now you're in a spot where where your 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 ex and you are kind of cordial in terms of 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 co-parenting. You mentioned you got like a kind of like a fifty and fifty split. No, well, she has primary custody and I have secondary custody. Um, I keep them probably about three days a week, but we don't always go necessarily by the the paperwork. You know what I mean? So it's like I'll I'll keep them extra. Like uh, for instance, I've had them the last four days. Uh, they're out of school today. I'm off work today because of, you know, the holiday, which I actually, cause I work now, I contract to a, uh, restaurant that works in a federal building. So we don't work federal holidays, but uh, uh, so that's, that's a good gig. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's Monday through Friday. It's really cool actually. Um, but so I've had them for the last four days, which, you know, I'm only really supposed to have them like two days during the weekend. Um, so we actually, at this point, you know, we, we, decided we're not really decided just kind of mutually happened you know she got remarried i got remarried um i get along okay with her husband he's a pretty cool dude you know she gets along okay with my wife you know he's got kids you know i'm i'm cool with him and we just uh have just decided i guess man we're just not gonna fuck with each other in that kind of manner like we don't have any ill will or any kind of negative stuff going on we just do our best to co-parent and do our best to do for the kids now you know and try and put all that stuff yeah that's awesome yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask you something because you pulled some you know I've, I've coached a lot of guys through when i started no debbie society it kind of built up and I, i've ended up coaching quite a few guys through or remotely anyways not not necessarily in person through institution custody stuff and and, and i pulled something from what you said and, and i want to ask you if, if you can remember when you when you walk into into court hold on, hold on i'm sorry my dogs are barking at the door oh, all good man okay yeah, yeah. When you uh, so when you walked into court and you, and you uh, and you you know you claimed you were sober and good to go, obviously you knew you weren't. Yeah. What what was going to, like that seems to be a, a kind of a thing as I've worked through the space of and in you know volunteer time at some some shelter type things here and and, and services. Is it 
what were you did you just convince yourself that you that you were going to pass it even though like you knew scientifically that was impossible or is it just because of the state of your men your mental health at that point you d you don't really think no you it, know I, I must say yeah definitely just where it was at uh it was really just rolling the dice you know i just was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna go in there and try and do this and if it works it works and i really really it was really shitty and selfish on my part to be that way but you know i was i was fucked up on drugs you know yeah and i, I at that point probably hadn't slept in two or three days you know i'd been up and uh i remember the the night before i went to court i sat there and my son was asleep and i was sitting there with him and i'm high you know and i'm geeked out and I'm sitting there you know talking kind of myself talking to him while he's sleeping my oldest son i'm telling him like yeah man i'm gonna take care of you man i'm gonna be here for you like like they're not gonna take you away from me like i promise you know that's not gonna happen and then i, I walk in there with this shit in my system knowing for sure that i can't pass the drug test I'm just hoping that you know it, when it all came through and said it was said and done with whatever happened that maybe they wouldn't pop me that day you know maybe there was some way i was gonna and that you know if, if i had gotten a piss test it would have been one of those things where i think i could have cleaned out in time so i was rolling the dice on it i guess really thinking maybe maybe i'll come out of this and then they immediately they're oh, okay we're taking your fingernails your toenails and straight away i just told them i'm like look i'm on all this shit and they're like okay well thanks for telling us now uh you have to leave your premises of where you're staying you can't see your kids like yeah. i walked out i walked out of the courthouse with no you know i had x amount of time to go to my mom's house where i'd been staying and get my shit and get out and that was it yeah and, you know, that's like, tough it's it's a it's kind of it's crazy that our minds can like you know you want you you want to be involved with your kid you really you know in your inside of you that fatherhood's important and you need to be there for your kids so you go to fight for them but at the same time you have that pull from your addiction that that kind of directly uh contradicts what you're doing but you still yeah. do it it's it's crazy let's let's talk okay so let's uh you've come you've come through some tough shit and you've you I mean you're you're eight months sober from from alcohol and you're a, a lot of years sober from from the drugs. So I mean that's a huge accomplishment. We need to make sure that we we throw that out there because you know a lot of people don't they, they don't get there and it's uh it's it's a sad thing sometimes. But what uh so your I mean your career is good now. You're I mean well you're, I'm assuming I'm assuming you're a hardworking dude. That's the that's the type of the the vibe I got from you is that you're always hustling or working hard. So where you're at now, if you had to talk, let's say, a, let's say a 20, 20 year old kid came in and he was in a very similar spot to where you were. Um, you know, how would you talk to him about, about the, how, how much worth there is to investing in his mental health and investing in getting his shit straight. Um, and why he should like if you you know basically if this kid was just sitting there and you knew he was heading down the same path you were what would you say to him man really it, it starts with you you know it's you can't like with, with my for instance the my situation you know i had a lot of anxiety and depression and things that i did not deal with you know and i had a lot of stuff from when i was a kid that i was kind of messed up about that i didn't deal with and a lot of the usage I think was really like self-medicating, you know? So, I mean, really it starts with you. You gotta, you have to get your mind right and, and get healthy. And in my instance, like get, get with God. I had to find religion, but um, yeah, you have to look at yourself and you have to, you have to assess everything that's going on in your life and figure out, you know, what, but you know, bullshit floats, you know, like every, you, you see the top of the surface of the water and you think like, okay, 
I, I have all this going on in front of me. This is what I want. This is what I have. This is what I don't want. But you got to get down underneath that and see the actual root and the cause of the things that are going on in your life. You know, like addiction is is messy, you know, and, and I don't know a single addict that doesn't have some root cause to their need for this thing. You know, there's always something that they're missing that they're trying to fill in their lives. You know, I have a lot of friends that still use. I have a lot of friends that are in prison. I've got friends, you know, that, that aren't with me anymore, but it's, it, there's always something there when you look at their lives and you look at them and their personalities and, and, and who they are as people that, you know, they're, they're, they're lacking or that they didn't have, or that they, you know, don't understand how to, um, don't understand how to uh, see, I can't even talk about it. Uh, or I can't even think of the right way to say it. Um, it's all good. don't understand how to process it or don't understand, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. How do you how do you feel about thinking back to the time where you you didn't have access and and how do you feel about yourself at that time? Do you are you in a are you are you in a state where you believe that maybe you were the victim of a of a system or do you or do you look at it more as like it was you know you made choices? No, I, I knew I screwed up. Um, really, like at the, at that time, once all that had happened, I sat there and I said, you know, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe having the kids or having the kids around me is, is the worst thing. You know, maybe I am this awful person. And, and, you know, I, I really kind of took it hard on myself and really sat down and, and was pretty down on myself about it for a while there. You know, it, it was a lot of doubt as to whether or not I was the kind of person, you know, I'm, I'm like, well, I want to come up out of this. I need to come up out of this. But then there was still, it took, you know, it took until, really I got arrested is finally what happened, you know, even, and then, you know, my father died and with all that stuff up, even through that, I was still struggling really hard. And with, with him dying, that kind of gave me a bad nudge that I didn't need, but, um, you know, yeah, I, I really got down on myself like, man, I'm a piece of shit. You know, I fucked this up and I, I really need to try to see them and I want to see them, but I, you know, wasn't sure. I didn't see a way out. You know, I would seriously stand at the door to my house. So I had a screen door, and I'd look out at the parking lot out there and I'd, I'd think to myself, like, man, this is basically my my jail cell. This is basically my cage that I'm in, you know, my house, my home, like the, the life that I live. Like, I'm, this is my jail. Like, I don't even have to be in jail. This is this is my cell. This is how I'm going to spend my life. I'm going to die this way like he did, you know, and it was yeah. fucked up, you know. But then I actually got picked up for a warrant. I had an old warrant for DWI from like two years before, luckily. And they uh, I got arrested and I spent a couple months in jail and uh during that time period, I took that, you know, chance while I was away from everything to get clean to, okay, oh, well, I'm going to clean my shit out now that I don't have any access to it. You know, I, I can't go hook up, you know? So, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, uh, I got two more questions for you before we, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, keep, uh, let these go for too long. Cause you know, we probably, uh, from the hearing you talk about this, I could probably pick your brain for, for a long time and I'm glad we connected let's talk about your your dad you you'd mentioned that he wasn't really in your life and then you reconnected and then he passed away could you kind of elaborate on that a little bit um, maybe, okay. maybe also how how you think it impacted you you know in terms of being a father yourself you know i i mean i always knew my dad but i never knew my dad you know i my my parents divorced when i was three my grandfather raised me my mother's father um, so I would see my dad on weekends and stuff, but my, you know, he was always kind of distant. I mean, he would spend time with me he would come around, but he never really, I wasn't ever alone with him. 
you know, I never stayed with him, things like that, you know, and when we would talk normally, he would be hung over and he wouldn't want to, you know, when I was being a little kid, I want to play. He doesn't want to play. You know, he'd be like, oh, you know, he wants to lay on the couch and be hung over and, you know, all that. I mean, it, it, he was still a good dude to me when I think of my dad. I still think of him as a good guy, you know, but, and I looked up to him because kids do that, you know, uh, you know, all the, all the bad stuff that my family had told me about him and stuff, but it, did, it didn't matter to me. You know, I still, I still looked up to him. I still wanted him around more and i wanted to have him as part of my life you know and uh really just w- once i went through my divorce and my grandfather died i didn't have nowhere to go and i called him and he said yeah you can come stay with me because i had i had nothing man i had a bag with some clothes in it and i had a couple boxes i stuck in storage and i had a car and that was it you know and uh so he said yeah you can come stay here and so in the process of staying there i learned a lot of really weird shit about myself i guess kind of that like genetics are really strong, you know, you don't really think, you don't really think they are, but my grandfather who raised me, raised me totally different to be like, if he, if I was the man that he had raised me to be, I would have been a great man. I wouldn't have made all these mistakes. You know, he was a really good guy and I turned out just like my dad. And then we, we sit down and we started talking, you know, we, we were almost the same person. You know, we had the same thoughts on things. We made a lot of the same mistakes in our lives. We have a lot of the same problems with drugs and with alcoholism. He was a real bad alcoholic. You know, real bad drug addict. He had hepatitis from, I guess, dirty needles, and he had seizures, and he had uh, uh, what do you call it, cirrhosis, and all. You know, I mean, he was messed up. And uh, I don't know, man. Like sitting out picking his brain, I'm like, you know, it made me love him even more because I'm like, damn, like this guy. Like I, I feel so close to this guy. Like, man, we're so much alike. But it was scary because I'm looking at him, and and I'm I'm like, this could be my future, like this, you know, and I hate to think of it like that because you know of how much love I have for him, but like shit, this could be my future. And then you know, I, one day I went to work and I came home, and he was he was dead in his chair. Oh and shit! That was it. You know, like I I came home and I walked in, and he was just he was still sitting in the, like when I had left that morning, I almost woke him up. He was asleep in the living room chair, but I didn't. And then I went to work, came back, he was still sitting there. And so I went to try to wake him up and he wouldn't wake up. And so then I went, you know, washed my hands, face and everything came back. And then I made the mistake of I leaned down to try and talk to him. And when I leaned down, I saw that his eyes were open and his mouth was blue. And uh, fucking, so I just, I called 911. I walked out of the house, you know, and just, hey, you need to come, you need to come get my father. He's dead. And they said, oh, how do you know? So, well, pretty sure, <laughs> you know, yeah. pretty, pretty sure, man, you know, so that, it shook me real bad, you know? So like I, I, I said, you know, I had been seeing these parallels in our lives and in our personalities and in the direction I was going. And I'm like, damn, you know, this could be me. Cause he, he lost me as a kid. You know, he wasn't there as a kid. You know, I, I didn't really get to get the time with him that I should have, uh, you know, and he hated it. And, you know, when talking to him, he hated that he had lost me. He hated all, you know, the way the things had turned out. He was so happy that, we had connected finally and that we had really sat down and got to know each other. And that could have been me. Like that could be me. That could be me, you know, dying alone. Not, I mean, not necessarily alone because I was around the time, but you know what I mean? Like just dying yeah. in my chair like that old, like broke down, still drinking every day, you know, just waste the waste of my life. Not yeah. that, I don't think that about him, but you know what I mean? So I don't think he's a waste, but that, yeah, no, life, you know, definitely not a waste. I mean, but that's uh, I mean, walking in on a, on your dad, dad like that would be, I mean, crazy, especially after you realize how much alike you are. Um, okay, so let's let's. So you've been through, I mean, 
I didn't expect that story to go to go there. I uh, from from in our, in our email, so that I mean that's crazy. So you've been through you know you, you battling. You had some. You you worked your way through them. Part of that process was was uh, you know re really connecting with your dad in a way like you hadn't before when you were younger, and then him dying. What is so then you, you know you've and then you've recouped your career and and you're working and you're in your kids' lives and you're healthy and sober. What's success for you now? What is what what is the rest of your life in terms of the your goals and and what, what you want to achieve? What you know? Who do you want to be when you're 65? Shit, I'm my uh, my grandpa. <laughs> you know my grandpa that raised me, man. Like you know my my, my dad's dad. You know he's a good man too. He's he's actually still alive. My you know. Uh, he's y'all would be like him too, but my uh, mother's parents, the one who raised me, my my grandfather, my mom's side, he actually he passed away. On my dad's side, the my grandparents on that side have outlived all three of their children. Oh wow! My, my dad and both of his sisters have have all passed away. Um, you know, from my my first aunt died on Halloween day, two thousand nine. She drank herself into a coma and died. Uh, my dad died in sleep, I guess, and then my uh, aunt actually had a heart attack and then had a stroke in the hospital and passed away. And they were all all had problems with alcoholism and drug addiction, you know, and that's, so they've outlived all their children, which is fucking terrible. Yeah. You know? But, um, yeah, man, I just, I want to, I want to see my kids grow up, you know, that's something else. Like, I don't want to die young. You know, he was 51. You know, I, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my grandkids, you know, I'm, I don't, shit, I like my wife now, we don't have any kids. We're trying to have a baby now, you know, even though, cause I'm getting, I'm 35, I'm getting older. She's 27. You know, we're kind of like, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And uh, I'm like, well, we, if we're going to have kids, we probably better have one now. Because my you know, they're with my ex-wife, you know. And um, I want them to, I want to see them do better than I do. I want to see them go to school and stay in school. You know, I mean, I, I dropped out of college. I wound up going to culinary school. But, I, you know, I, I didn't go to culinary school till my mid-20s. You know, I dropped out of college. I dropped out of high school. I, did, I got my GED and I dropped out of college. You know, I didn't, I didn't do anything in my life until much later. And uh, I don't want to see them go through that. I don't want to see them get involved with addiction or any of that stuff. I try to push them now to, you know, be in sports and be in, be involved in stuff. Like actually like uh, their stepdad and then myself, both, we both do like jujitsu and like kickboxing and boxing and stuff like that. So we've got them, they actually go to his gym and they do jujitsu, like Brazilian jujitsu, which is cool and keeps them occupied. And, uh, yeah, they, awesome. they both played soccer. They both played baseball. I mean, we try to keep them positive. I take them to church every weekend with me. You know, like they got baptized in my church and everything. And we, we keep them involved in everything that we can to have a positive impact on their lives and have, you know, keep them out of the trouble that I got into and keep them out of the trouble that, you know, on their, on their mom's side too. I mean, her, you know, her family, you know, I, I actually know her because I knew her older brother. And so like, you know, who, also had you know drug problems and wound up you know prison stuff that that's pretty prevalent on her side of the family too so there's a lot of story on her side that also is you know pretty bad she's come out of a lot of stuff too that that you know uh is is good that she's come through in her life the way she has so they've got that on both sides you know that there's all that negative stuff and so it's it's not it's not a struggle but it, it's very important to keep keep them on the right path you know yeah, and that's that's my future. That's it, you know. Because I mean, I just work, go home, <laughs> and 
that's it. I, I've already done, you know, uh, we've leaps and bounds. My life has improved since, you know, since I finally quit using and since, you know, I got with the person I'm with now and then the things that we've gone through and the, you know, building our lives up and then career, career wise and everything. I mean, you know, the past three years I've been able to work, you know, in a facet of the industry where I've been able to be home nights, be home weekends. You know, I'm not, not having to work every holiday. I'm not having to work 16 hour days anymore. You know, it's, it's good. Yeah. And sometimes that's success, right? Like it's not always about the, it's not always about making millions. Sometimes when you go through a lot, it's just about having that peace and having that, uh, that quality time. And yeah, you're right. You're, I mean, it seems like you, you know, your kids, not that they're, they're, they have the odds stacked against them to say that. Cause that would be a little harsh, but like you said, genes matter and they've got both sides with some issues. So like every, every basically micro moment right now, with you and your ex raising them matters. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. That is awesome. I appreciate the the time. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hit stop on this recording and then I'm going to uh, chat with you quickly. If you got a couple of minutes. Yeah. No problem.